Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Some people look at obeying God as a restriction, as a bondage of some sort, as a fettering of their spirit, and they can't do all they want to do. Well, I want to tell you, there's great benefit in keeping God's commandments. There's great, great benefit in keeping God's commandments, and he lists them for you there. Length of days and long life. Peace. It's just, uh, it's just an amazing, it pays to be a Christian. In more ways than it just, I mean, eternal, eternal life is, uh, there's, it's unsearchable, it's, uh, it's undefinable. There's no way we can evaluate it as far as a value is concerned. Eternal life is going to be tremendous. But even in this life, it pays to be a Christian. He goes on to say in verse 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. Mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's already been mentioned, the principle of sowing and reaping. If you're kind and generous and merciful, forgiving, that'll all come back to you somewhere down the road. The proverbist here says to bind them about your neck, write them upon the table of your heart. But the, the love of the truth is the only safeguard from spiritual deception. And I would say even one step farther, it's the only safeguard against spiritual damnation. God turned them over to a reprobate mind, he says in the scripture, because they loved not the truth. Now, he, this, the Proverbs here is touching on some very, very key principles in keeping your relationship with God. And one is the love to truth. And when the truth comes down, you accept it, you embrace it, and Brother Connie used to say, you say amen to it. And by saying amen to it, you already believe it, you heard it, you see it in the scripture, you believe it. But amen means I agree with it. I'm in agreement with you, Lord. Now I've been doing that for 50 years, but Lord, now that you don't want me to, I'm in agreement with you. Amen. Truth comes, light comes. And uh, we need to love them. We need to... We need to bind them about our neck and write them upon the table of our heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. If you'll love mercy and truth, you'll be accepted by God and man. Now, not every man. Uh, we know that uh, to live godly, you'll suffer some opposition. But you'll also find a lot of good friends. You'll also find that 
There's people out there that appreciate truth. There's people out there that appreciate integrity and appreciate kindness and mercy. So the Proverbs is telling us some very, very good things to, to lay to heart tonight. And then verse 5 starts a little series of, of admonitions. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you find that easy to do? Or do you find yourself constantly wanting to help God out? God's not moving fast enough. God's not working out the way you want it to. So you, you want to insert yourself and your thinking and your understanding and your faculties. You want to put your finger in the mix. Sarah did, didn't she? Remember Sarah? Abraham's wife? She really messed things up. By not waiting on the Lord. Not trusting in the Lord with all of her heart. She felt like she needed to help God get His promise to come true. Big, big mistake. It's all happening over in the Middle East today. Because Ishmael, his descendants are fighting the descendants of Isaac and his descendants and all that, that battling going on. And it's perpetual. It'll go on till the end of time probably. Till the millennium. But trust in the Lord with all thine heart and try to not let your own thinking interfere with that faith. Because we all have our ideas how it ought to be done, don't we? Do you give God instructions in prayer or do you report for duty? Lord, I need this, 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 and this, and if you don't mind sending it through PayPal, that'd be great. You know, I mean, we've got our ideas how it's going to work out and how it needs to work out. But that's not necessarily the way God's wanting to do it. And so the, the, the writer here, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Put your confidence in Him. Put your faith in Him. And when your mind tries to interrupt that, lean not to it. When your mind and your head and your thoughts get in the way of trusting God, get them out of the way, okay? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding tonight. How thorough is our understanding compared to God's understanding? The Lord gave us a little bit of a clue. He said, my ways are as high above your ways as the heavens that are above the earth. So when we begin to think that we've got enough cognitive material that we can match our wits with God, we've done messed up. We need to get back to contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. They rolled it over on God and they left it there. They presented the case to God and they kept presenting the case to God until He did something about it. And friends, I believe we need that lesson yet today. I believe we need it more today because we think we're smart. We're educated. We're an enlightened generation. Really? Some of the people I see look like they're going the other way. 
when I was a kid and looked at National Geographic magazine and people over there in the dark side of the continent over there, they had big holes in their ears and they had a, a big thing in their lip and they, now it's all over America. We're going the wrong way in our enlightenment. We're no match for the thinking of God. And as Christians, we cannot think that we can do that. We simply must get back to trusting, relying. Our confidence, Lord, is in you. And I want that to be there with all my heart. Even when my head says, I think I can figure this out. I think I can fix this. I think I can help God. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> The bells ought to be ringing. The alarms ought to be going off somewhere. It says, no, no, don't do that. Remember Sarah. Verse 6 gives us another good bit of information. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways and everything you do, everything you undertake, Recognize and acknowledge God's place in your life. Remember, He's Lord. Remember, you're the steward. Remember, ye are not your own. You're bought with a price. You belong to God. Remember, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And it says that He will direct your past. Now, you can't have a better guide than God. <laughs> you can't have a better leader than God. You can't have a more uh, thorough uh, counselor than God. He knows what you need. He knows what's down the road. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows how to tell us and lead us. We need that kind of guidance because we can't see around the next corner. I don't know what's going to happen five minutes after church is out, do you? We don't. But does God... And you take that principle and apply it to every decision, especially the major decisions, but every decision. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. Education, careers, vocations, callings, marriages, you know, all of these big things affect our lives in such tremendous ways. But God is offering to be your counselor. And you can't beat His rates. If you've ever paid for a counselor, <laughs> I wonder what God would charge with his criteria and his ability. I wonder what God would charge per hour just to let us sit in his office and, and reap from his wisdom and, and benefit from his guidance and counsel. But God doesn't charge you. You can have this for free money-wise, but you're going to have to acknowledge him as Lord, you're going to have to acknowledge Him as the leader of your life. You're going to have to put Him in His rightful place in your life in order to receive the benefit of His direction and counsel. And I want you to know it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. And as you give your life to God in a greater, greater measure, as you keep, as you keep putting yourself... And I believe there's a crisis. We put ourselves on the altar with one big yes. Somewhere we said a great eternal yes that, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go. And we get sanctified. 
But I found out that there's a lifetime of little yeses that have to add to that big yes in order for me to stay in that position where God wants me to be. It's a lifetime of little yeses. And as I acknowledge Him in all my ways and as I direct, let Him direct my life in all these decisions, then He's pleased to direct my path. And I tell you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like having God look out for you. It's truly amazing. It's truly wonderful what the Lord can do if we'll just surrender. We'll just submit to Him. We'll just leave it in His hands. We'll trust Him with all of our heart. We won't let our little head get in the way. And we're going to acknowledge Him as Lord of our life and Director of our life. And we're going to say, Lord, I will go where You want me to go. I will be what You want me to be. I will do what You want me to do. And with that unequivocal yes to God, then He is free to direct our paths and put us where He sees best. Everybody else may not think that would be best for you. But if you've heard from heaven, don't let anybody dissuade you. Robert was mentioning the illustration. One, one illustration I heard, the, the, the son was destined to be an ambassador of the United States. And his mother said, don't stoop to be the ambassador when you can be a child of the king. Don't stoop to be the ambassador. Don't stoop to be the president. If God's called you to preach or missionary work. Now we need a good sanctified president. Don't get me wrong. But if God's called you to his work and his ministry, don't stoop to any of these worldly positions. Well, this is a tough one. Be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. Scripture also says in another place that every man's ways are right in his own eyes. We think we're right. We think we're right. How many times we realize after the fact that we're wrong. You've heard the old saying, hindsight is twenty-twenty." Boy, how true that is. But boy, you were just sure you were right. I've done that in debating things with my wife. I'm just sure I was right. Come to find out, she was right. That's humbling, you know. <laughs> but we're not always right. So we need to realize that we're fallible. You're not the Pope. And the Pope's not infallible either, by the way. Be not wise in thine own eyes, but what? Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You need to be careful about your relationship with God. You need to keep a reverence for God. You need to keep a healthy fear of missing heaven. You need to keep a healthy fear of grieving the Holy Ghost. You need to keep a healthy sense of, of restraint in your own body and, and soul. And it says, depart from evil. Anything you know that God's not pleased with, Run from it. Run from it. It shall be health to thy navel. And I don't understand that. I thought that was just a hole in the middle of your belly. I'm not sure how the... I'm sure there was some kind of saying in that day that relates to that and it had a, a, a good application, but I can't tell you right now what it was. It shall be health to thy navel 
and marrow to thy bones. Now, I know how important marrow is. That's where your blood cells are created, and that's where the life is in the blood. So I can sense that there must be something important about the navel, but I don't know. Anybody know? That'll be something to look up. Let's see who the first one can find that. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. To what? To not be wise in your own eyes and to fear the Lord and depart from evil. That's what he said. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of, thy, of all thine increase. 10% belongs to God right off the top. Do you know that? The tithe is the Lord's. And every individual needs to set that aside immediately. If you have any struggle paying your tithe, then pay it first. <laughs> you say, well, I don't know what's going to be at the other end of the month. That's where trusting the Lord comes in. But if you're going to default on someone, you want to do it on your car insurance or do you want to default on the Lord? I see my car parked before I default on the Lord. Amen? This is an economic principle as well as a biblical principle that has tremendous benefits. It shows your love for God because you're giving Him the first fruit. You're giving Him right from the very first, the best. You're putting Him first in your life financially. And we're going to see a promise here after this. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Give it to God. It belongs to Him anyway. It's not yours. In fact, the Bible labels people that don't tithe as thieves. Now that makes some individuals mad. Because they believe tithing is an Old Testament concept. But Jesus, and he, I think he only mentioned it one time. And it was, was kind of in a, a reproving way to the Pharisees. Telling them that they tithe mint and rue and cumin and all these spices. Little spices, they would tithe those. But he said, you've left off the weightier matters of the law, which was judgment and mercy. But he said, these things you ought to have done and not leave the other undone. So in that one little phrase, he, he clarified that tithing was still part of the New Testament economy. It still serves the same purpose as it did under the Old Covenant. The Levites had no inheritance in the land. Neither do full-time Christian workers. They don't have a paid check coming from another company. The tithe pays the, the operation of the temple, the building, the facility. It pays and takes care of the Levites, which today is your full-time Christian workers. It's still the same principle. And it's a very workable principle. And uh, God honors it. I can tell you, I can tell you after 40-some years of, of living by faith and living with whatever the church decides to give you, you know, God will take care of you if you'll pay your tithes. I believe in tithing. I believe it's a biblical commandment. I believe it is a spiritual obligation. 
And I believe it's a financial investment that'll, that you'll never ever get through drawing the benefits from. What did he say here? So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. These were agricultural people. They didn't draw a monthly or weekly paycheck of money. Their economy was built around agriculture. If they had a bushel of wheat, they could get a dozen or two of eggs by bartering and trading. Everything was done through the agriculture. So the illustration in their day was God's going to bless your farm. God's going to bless the increase of your labors. And God still does that. There's some tremendous stories that you need to read, especially you young people. R.G. Letourneau, J.C. Penney started the Penney's chain that the ladies, it's about to go under now, I'm afraid, after years of misuse. But J.C. Penney tithed his income. R.G. Letourneau tithed his income. Even got to the point where I think he was giving God much more than the tithe. 90%. That's what I was thinking. My memory was... He was giving God 90 and he's living off the 10. But at the money he was making, 10 was good enough. You know, it's, God can bless you. But these, these illustrations of how God has blessed, and you can talk to any of the old saints, they'll tell you it pays to tithe. It pays to give your tithes and offerings to God. And uh, it says, honor the Lord... With your substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. He wants to be first in your life. And you show that in many ways by your obedience. You show that in your tithing. I mean, there's just many ways we prove to God that He's first in our life. By our devotional life, many ways. And then verse 11, and we'll stop for tonight. Or 11 and 12. My son, despise not <clears throat> the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. God chastens us from time to time. If you've not had what they used to call a spiritual whipping, then I don't know what's wrong with you. You've either been a very good child or you may not be a child at all. You know, God chastens those He loves. And the Hebrew writer said He chastens every son He receiveth. And if you don't receive chastening, you're an illegitimate son. You're not really God's son. That's what it's saying. So we think about the Scripture tonight. He says that we're to trust in the Lord and lean not to our own understanding. We're to acknowledge Him in all our ways. Let Him direct our path. We're to fear the Lord and depart from evil. We're to honor the Lord with our substance and with the first fruits of our increase. And we're not to despise or reject or to, to feel bad about the chastening of the Lord. Because the Lord chasteneth them that He loves. And so when you feel like the Lord's spanking you, just praise God. Thank God you're a son. And pay attention to the lesson He's spanking you for. Well, what did I do, Lord? He'll make it plain to you what you did. And He will let you correct that and make your amends for that. 
and He'll expect you not to do that anymore. Just like earthly parents would, wouldn't we? I mean, you know, if your mom and dad told you not to get in the cookie jar and you got in it again and again and again, and they smacked your hand, they didn't expect you to come back in five minutes and put that hand back in there. They expect you to wait until you had permission to put your hand in. And so a lot of other things tonight. God chastens those that He loves. Aren't you glad? What kind of parent let their children play on a freeway? Not a very good one. What kind of parent would take a little child that can't swim down to the river and leave them by themselves? Not a very good one. God's a good parent. God is a good parent. When we start to stray, He reaches out and He brings us back. Praise God. He doesn't let you go to destruction. Not easily. It's not easy to backslide. If there's a real relationship in your heart with God. It's not easy to backslide. Because God is going to come after you. He said he left the ninety and nine and went after the sheep in the wilderness that go on astray. Why? He loves you. He loves you. He's out for your best interest and your good. And he's given us such wonderful admonition here in this third chapter of Proverbs and there's more down through there but I think that's probably enough of a dose for one night. Like the preacher that someone told about, he got discouraged, he didn't have but a few people. He just preached just a few minutes and let him go home in the morning and somebody talked to him that night and told him, said, listen brother, if you only had one old cow in the barn, would you feed her? And it kind of encouraged the old boy. And he got up Sunday night and preached for about an hour and a half and Fellow met him after church. He said, I, I, I believe you could feed him, but you don't have to give him the whole hayloft in one time. So uh, I won't give you the whole hayloft tonight. But uh, I do want to feed you. But what I want to see is you, you begin to feed yourself. You begin to feed on the Word of God. You begin to draw from it. You begin to seek your own inspiration from it. You begin to seek your own counsel from it. Your own study of it to find out for sure what it means and what God's wanting you to do with that. You know, if you just depend on me to feed you, you're going to get three meals a week. That's it. It's not enough, is it, Andrew? That ain't enough. Three meals a week's not enough for any of us. And the same is true spiritually. Feed every day. Feast on His Word. Pray and seek His face. God wants to help us. God wants to help us. Well, the Lord bless you. Let me close that recording. Appreciate the folks that were on the phone conference tonight. We're going to close our prayer meeting and may the Lord bless you. Let's all stand.